are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 38. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified life coach. And I'm Beth Barnett Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. So, hey, 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 everyone. I have a fun one for us today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm like, it's fun for you. Just kidding. It is very interesting information. And so, I do want to preface this by saying a little something before you get started. Okay. So, you know how people ask us like how we make our food choices, like especially if we're not in it for being smaller and since we're anti-diet culture, they're like, well, then how do you decide what you eat and what you don't eat or why, right? And so I've been sort of explaining it like there's these kind of two columns or boxes that I think about. Mm -hmm. And so one is that like medical, clinical, scientific box, yeah, which is also unique to everybody, right? Right. You have to plug in your own health circumstances into that box. Mm -hmm. It's different for all of us. And then the other one is more of that kind of emotional well-being box, right? Because we don't necessarily want to only go clinical 100% of the time at the expense of our emotional or mental health and well-being. But it also, again, it depends on what's in your clinical box, right? Right. So I kind of think about those two things as far as like how I make my choices. And I think we have to look at them both. So today, Beth is sharing a lot more of that science category. And because we've said this before, and we'll keep saying it, if food is medicine and there are no good or bad foods, then it's all about the dose. So today we're talking about a dose. And what is that about, Beth? I'll let you just go on. Yeah. So, you know, specifically, we're going to talk about fructose today. And I want to talk about this today because a little while back, I got an educational email from the supplement company that I really like. And it was called Examining Fructose from an Evolutionary Lens. And I was like, hmm, all right. So I found it like this article, like super interesting. And at the same time, very much like a head scratcher. And I kept this tab open for like a really long time. And I didn't delete the email. Oftentimes I'll just read them and delete them and move on or leave the tab open for like a week or so and eventually get around to it. But I actually just like kept going back to it and reading it and kind of contemplating it because it is kind of tricky subject. And and just before we move on, I just want to be for the people who don't know what fructose is. Yeah. It's just the sugar. It's the natural sugar found in fruit. Yeah. And in honey and then it's in other things, which we'll talk about. But essentially the synopsis of the article is that fructose that we consume, i.e. through like dietary sources, like we just mentioned, fruit, Honey would have been our main ones evolutionarily, like maple syrup. And then we, with the advent of being able to adjust food, we figured out how to make like sugar, sucrose, and then high, and then ultimately high fructose corn syrup. So we can get that, the fructose we consume, and then we can also force our body to go into utilizing fructose for energy instead of glucose. And when that happens it can actually cause a problem in our battle with weight and other metabolic issues because there is this mechanism or a metabolic pathway for fructose that was really meant for triggering to spare glucose use and then also to trigger fat gain and whatnot for lean times. 
So it was actually like this, like, okay, we're about to go into the lean time. Some things are about to happen. So there's a bunch of fructose that's coming in. So it could be like, oh, it's going to be winter and there's not going to be access to certain things. Like talking old school survival. Yeah. yeah. This is like not current. So like if you kind of, as you just mentioned, so if you think about when we were more foragers and like that seasonality of the fruit, there would have been an abundance of fruit during certain times of the year, but maybe not all times of the year. And when you think about when that really is, it is summer and late fall, like apples are in the fall and then stone fruits and all those other things. So they kind of diminish up and then we've got winter, (laughs) right? So then we have winter. And so what it would do, it would trigger for us to become insulin resistant and then conserve that glucose and then create more fat. And then we would be able to have that extra fat on board during those less abundant times to burn for energy. When we burn fat, it becomes carbon dioxide and water. And so then we would actually use that water, that metabolic water to help us stay hydrated as well. That is fascinating. I didn't really know that <laughs> fat became water. But you know what's interesting is, you know, when you do kind of fat burn and you notice that your fat goes from like firm fat to like really squishy fat. I wonder if that has <laughs> to So if we fast forward to modern, I really don't know the answer to that. So I'm not trying to gloss over it. It's just that I really don't know. Anyways, I don't want to go sideways too far. It's too early to go sideways. But if we fast forward to, you know, modern times, we have an abundance of fructose. And so it kind of all started, we have these big shifts in carbohydrate consumption from the time that we were hunter and gatherers into where we are now. And one of our big shifts was when we started agriculture, we went into cereal grains, but it still wasn't like an excess of fructose. It was somewhere along the lines when we started more trade and being able to turn sugar cane and and beets into sucrose. And so the wealthy people of those different communities did start to see this rise in increase of fat mass and cardiovascular disease. And then there was another big push like in the 70s when we figured out how to make high fructose corn syrup and put that in anything and everything. These are these bigger tipping points for where we are. And so what happens is that with this abundance of fructose, particularly if you happen to be somebody that consumes either sodas or juice or honey and this, that, and the other, or agave was, remember when agave was like all the rage yes. in culinary school? And I was like, this can't be better. <laughs> like, and it turns out it's not, it's really high. There's always a fad sweetener. Yeah. Right? It's really high and agave syrup is, has a higher fructose to glucose ratio. And anytime you have a higher fructose to glucose ratio, you are going to override that balance of how much, because your small intestine does try to limit how much you absorb. There is, I think, but when you get to a certain tipping point, you do end up actually being able to absorb more of the fructose and glucose. So anyways, and then we think about like Frappuccinos and all the things, sorry, Starbucks, but all those types of places have those really high sugar coffee drinks and some smoothies have processed sugars or more natural sugars. And then of course, we've got all of the processed foods that have fructose syrup or what we call table sugar. And table sugar is sucrose, which is glucose plus fructose. 
So here's what I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. So sucrose is completely manufactured. So even like sugar cane, like the actual cane that you might not You have to... It's fructose and then they turn it into sucrose. No, it's in the heating process, it becomes sucrose, which is a combination of fructose plus glucose. Mm -hmm. So like fruit, natural fruit, same, has fructose and glucose in it, has both. So like a piece of fruit is not just going to have only fructose in it. It will have some glucose in it. It is a balance. And I think one of the possible reasons why they thought fructose might be better, I don't know. I didn't just now thought about this and didn't think to look it up. Fructose technically, and this is why it was helpful for us, is that fructose does not raise our insulin. And so maybe they thought, well, if we do all this corn syrup, you know, that it can't cause blood sugar imbalances and diabetes. Who knows? I don't have to look that up. But anyway, so we've got so much of it that it then would signal to our body to become more insulin resistant and store weight. But, you know, rewind to your preface is that the increase of fructose is like our increases in body size over time can't just be boiled down to fructose consumption. It is coming, it's coming to light that is a big part of it because so much of it was introduced into our diet so quickly. But I think the reason why I want people to know about this is not to scare you to be like, oh, this is the thing and this is why we need to cut it out. I think it's important to know why our body has these certain mechanisms. And in this case, in two different evolutionary times, we developed this ability. A lot of mammals did develop this ability to utilize fructose in a particular way to help with survival. It allows us to think about it other than like what we hear, which is sugar is bad. Right. It's like, well, I wonder why this is happening. Yeah, that's a blanket statement that's not very helpful. It doesn't explain. Yeah, it doesn't. So, well, it's like, well, why? It's like, well, you know, it causes diabetes. Well, well, why and how? And it doesn't cause diabetes for everybody. Correct. And so then it's so just like, because you don't have diabetes doesn't mean that you can just go eat all the sugar. Right. And so and what feel I feel good and be healthy. Yeah. So what I think is helpful is that it's we don't have to be like all carbs are bad or sugar is toxic. It's like, well, all right, well, let's really look at like what's happening here and well, what works for me. So then what really got me thinking is, well, what kind of fructose are they really talking about in here? Because again, we're talking about a blog post that had to be short and sweet sent to health practitioners. So people that don't really have a lot of spare time to be reading all the nitty gritty of it. And so, cause it didn't really say what kind of fructose. So I was wondering, well, are we talking about like actual fruit? Are we talking about the majority of the added fructose in our diet or like what's really happening here? And so this is kind of what I discovered. Are we ready or do we need a breather? <laughs> no, I want I want to hear more before I because I do want to talk a little bit about like real life scenarios. Right, right, right. Okay. After you get through this. Okay. So essentially, so I had to rewind and go back and like look at some basic metabolics of like how we use fructose and it's blah, 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 really complicated. Um, just because of all these downstream effects. But anyways, essentially basic mechanism, fructose, which is a single sugar molecule. When chronically consumed, and that seemed to be a really big factor there, does not trigger the same rise in insulin, 
like I just mentioned, like glucose does. So, you know, which is primarily what we hear about when we're talking about sugars, the rise in insulin and rise in blood sugar and all that stuff. So, but clearly it's like way more than that. So fructose has shown that it doesn't trigger that response also in ghrelin or leptin, so which are our hunger hormones. And so we don't get that satiety signal that we would otherwise. So it works at ghrelin, leptin, and then this satiety signal in our brain called GLP-1. And so therefore we are able to eat and drink more of these higher fructose things in order to trigger the response to store weight so we can make it through the lean times. And then it also tells our body to store more glycogen, more fat, more triglycerides, because we will turn triglycerides into usable energy as well. And so all of this, again, is just signaling to spare ourselves to use up glucose in the mitochondria and potentially running out of energy before we get more food. So it turns out humans aren't the only ones. It actually started in mammals and some of the birds that made it through the asteroid that wiped out most of you know the dinosaurs. So the animals that lived in water and some of the bird-like reptile were able to utilize fructose and then happened again in apes somewhere along the way. Yeah, but like bears, whales, and as I mentioned, birds like do it in prep for migration. So across the animal kingdom, we utilize fructose in a very particular way. Well, and we do talk about ghrelin and leptin and added sugar, but it's interesting that it's also just fructose. But that is why when we're like lowering sugar with people who are, say, like having a Starbucks on a daily basis, it's Mm -hmm. like even just getting it down to one a week instead of seven a week is still Mm -hmm. probably going to show some benefits. But it's interesting because it's like we are animals. So we have these primal animal like designs in our body. Right. And then as humans, we invented McDonald's, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> really, we just figured out how many ways can we put sugar and sugar like things in foods, which because is they're super is- cheap because fat and mm-hmm. protein is not cheap, but like carbs are, and our brains really like carbs. And so then, since we are mostly capitalistic, then it's like, how do we get foods to taste good so people keep buying them? Right. So like it kind of started out as survival mode and then Mm -hmm. it turned into money mode. Yeah, because to produce fructose from corn is exponentially cheaper than it is to produce it from cane sugar or beet sugar. Beets, sugar beets. And like, I don't want to say there's no lean times because I don't want to exclude like people in food scarcity situations and that kind of thing. But it's like we, we do, most of us, a lot of us do have access to food all the time. Yeah. We don't have to go out and hunt and gather. We can just go through the drive-thru. This goes in that clinical box of like, yeah, we need to think about this when we're making some of our food choices if we want to stay healthy. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, what are we talking about with the amount of fruit here? And so like, what is the impact of whole fruit? And that was actually much harder to find than one would expect given the litany of research. But what I did find that I thought was like super helpful and very interesting was that low whole fruit consumption. So let's be real. I'm going to be really clear. 
whole fruit consumption. So like the whole strawberry, like the whole blueberry, the banana, like all the things, right? Like in its natural form, not smushed up, pulverized or turned into juice is considered to be the fourth leading contributor to global disease burden, particularly with cardiovascular disease and some cancers. Because when it's in its whole form, the minerals, the phytochemicals, the fiber is actually found to be very beneficial in preventing disease and managing weight. And then really the main place that I could find was is that the research on fruit juices, particularly in children, there were certain times of life where you were more impacted by fruit juice, was is that when they consumed more fruit juice versus whole fruit, it did lead to a more positive association with kids and increased weight. But again, this is like one of those studies where correlation does not mean causation. It just is like there was a positive association with that. Yeah, I'm so aware of all this now because I have a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> We've given him juice a couple times like at parties, you know, and now he's actually like asking for it. Oh, no, yeah. It's so, so exciting. I mean, that's what his brain is wired for, right? And so it is challenging. <laughs> so we're like, we're still at the phase where we can trick him and put like an ounce of juice in his water. Yeah. So he still thinks it's juice, but it's like mm-hmm. we're trying... Because also all the snacks and processed foods. So we do try to focus more on whole food and like whole foods as snacks. But yeah, you know, when you're traveling around the go, sometimes you're like, it's just, it's got to be what it is. Yeah. So it, what it seemed like overall is that whole fruit and reasonable amounts per day is actually really good for us. But dried fruit and fruit juice, because it's void of the water and the fiber does contribute to that, that satiety signals that we don't get when we have excess fructose in it. Yeah. And so those types of fruit products should be consumed sparingly or in much smaller amounts. And then I went on, do you have any comments on that? Oh, I just, I love fruit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I like, well, I like whole fruit and I think I've also learned to eat it within a moderate amount, I guess. But I always yeah. think about like what's in season. So I'm like, oh, it's apple season. So like, I don't know. I personally would pick a whole apple over apple juice any day. So yeah. The only time I really try to use, the only time I use apple juice is when, remember we used to drink green vibrance. It was like the only way I could get green vibrance down was through apple juice. And that was pretty much it. So I figured... You're not really, you're not really a fruit person though. No, but I do have some strawberries that are delicious right now. So like they actually taste like strawberries or oftentimes they don't. So like right now they aren't. And then I really like bananas and peanut butter, but I have to be mindful of that because, you know, since I do wear the glucose monitor... Bananas really do probably spike my blood sugar. So I just kind of watch. And as long as I just really get a very... Does uh, it spike with the peanut butter for you? It's a less of a spike, but I have to have peanut butter with it. And it's got to be a pretty sizable amount. So, But then I went on this like... Because you know, once you start reading one research article, then it opens up the door to all these other research articles that are similar, are in the citations. And you're like, whoa. But where it seemed that... The most problematic is that when you have a lot of high fructose in either in food and beverages and a high fat meal, that is really where you would have much more weight gain from creating fat lipogenesis. And because that leptin response was down from the fructose, so then you would consume more of the fat 
thus and calories and thus increasing the amount of fat t- tissue that would be stored because you couldn't use it for energy during that time. Which is, it, this aligns with what we say, which is like when we consume more of these like highly palatable, higher sugared foods, we tend to overeat. Yeah. Because we're not getting that like satiety signal. So that lines up. Yeah. And it just totally makes sense for me because I was like, oh, if we've got a high fructose ratios to fat ratio, I was like, that would potentially explain the amount of Oreos that I've been able to consume in my life. Like in one setting, like it really could get well, some Oreo situation. Oreos. Right. Yeah. Because of its makeup, right? Like yeah. your satiety signals are way down on a food like that. And I'm like, well, that explains my ability to really like annihilate Oreos in my past. The meals that come to mind for me is like a delicious, real found Coke, mm-hmm. either with like a cheeseburger or oh, like, a, slice, yeah, like yeah. a home slice of pizza. Like, you know, something greasy and hot, mm-hmm. with like a cold, bubbly Coke, like that's the best. But yeah, you don't yeah. always feel so good afterwards. Unless it's after... <laughs> Oh, a certain kind of weekend. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm like, yeah. So it's just one of those things where like, oh yeah. Okay. That's why sometimes it's harder to only have one slice or to like stop eating when you're full because you're not necessarily going to even notice. Right. And then I was like, well, oh, is that why when you eat ice cream, you actually, you could potentially keep going with ice cream because you don't actually get... I personally have never gotten quote unquote full from ice cream unless it was like after a meal. Now you've just kind of gone to that point because like, if you think about like you usually stop eating ice cream because either what you put in your bowl or what you bought is empty or you've gotten tired of the taste. And it's likely because that is a high fat, high sucrose, which fructose glucose combo in there, you would not get that satiety signal on eating ice cream. Like you would if you were eating something else. Yeah. Interesting. That is. I'm just trying to think if I've ever, if I've done that lately, (laughs) which I haven't, because I usually do try to eat something. What if I know I'm going to have ice cream? Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to think, I wondered, like, it would be hard to know this, but I wonder if there were like times... Like, well, what would that have been in our hunter-gatherer times where we were eating large amounts of fruit and high fat? Like, I guess it would be a successful hunt with a lot of fruit in that season. So I don't know. I also think about like regionally, because if you're a hunter-gatherer, it also depends on where you are in the world, right? Right. If you're in a tropical landscape, like that might be fish and bananas and coconuts. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Versus like being in a Northern climate where it's like you're eating whale. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if there's fruit, you know, it's like maybe some kind of berry. Like a Yeah. There is, they were very rare. I mean, it was very short periods of time where the berries were available. And you almost kind of have to think like it was a natural ratio. Like it right. was intended that you had high fat, but you didn't have a lot of fructose in your climate. Or if you had a lot of fructose, like in a tropical environment, you don't have a lot of fatty other foods naturally. So I don't know. It's interesting how it's yeah. kind of like... It's like bears use fruit salmon. before they go hibernate. Well, they eat the salmon after they've 
come out of hibernation mm-hmm. to re up on all that they lost during hibernation. And then one of the other things that they eat a high amount of before they go back into hibernation is fruit. Yeah. Because it does, this whole mechanism does other things. Like it helps regulate like blood pressure and all these other like downstream effects. I guess nuts are also our higher fat mm-hmm. food. Yeah. I don't know. So, and not to like keep belaboring this, but one of the other mechanisms that was implicated in all of this is that there is a role when you add high salt plus fructose metabolism that really creates a lot of stress on the body, particularly kidneys. So you ever put a French fry in a frost? I mean, was I, I can still remember the moment that idea came to me. I thought I was the greatest genius of all time. It was at my friend Ellie's house sitting on her bedroom floor. I remember it so clearly. It was the greatest experience ever. I love it so much. The salty-sweet combo is like... And that's it. It's well, apparently sweet. it's really terrible for our body. Like that creates <laughs> like a lot of inflammation in our body, unfortunately. So yeah. all of this is to say, I don't want people to be afraid of fruit, but depending on your current metabolic health or metabolic flexibility, that may determine how much fruit is actually beneficial before it's not. And what I've found as a good way of saying this in this research article at the end was there is likely a fine balance between activating the survival pathway to provide critical needs and the super stimulation of the pathway where it may cause deleterious consequences. So I think we just all need to be mindful of where we're getting our sugars from and how much can your body handle them. And it's complicated. Our bodies are complicated. Our emotions and our relationship with food is complicated. But I just wanted to bring the information out on like what are our signals in the body and what they what certain things do. And it may be helpful for some, but maybe not others. And I would say before you panic about fruit, because I just feel like somewhere <laughs> for somewhere in general, yeah. Yeah, somebody somewhere is gonna be like, they told me not to eat fruit, which is not true. I would say first and foremost, go look at your other sources of sugar. Right. Yeah. Like, are you having Starbucks sugary coffees every day? Are you having pastries for breakfast? Are you having cookies in the afternoon? Like, what are the other sources of sugar that you're having? I think that's probably like the number one place to start. And then it's not that you can't have those things, it's just working to reduce them. And also, like, why are you eating those? It's like, are we eating them as a crutch for our own excitement in a busy, boring day or whatever? That might not be the best way to consume those. And then, I mean, I do rely on fruit to get the sensation of sweetness when I want something sweet so that I don't go have ice cream at 3 p.m. or whatever. So I think it's just looking at your daily habits and what you're doing and food is okay. We're just trying to overall minimize the amount of sugar that we're taking in so that you can feel your hunger and fullness signals and you're not creating this over-inflammation load so that your body can function more optimally in a modern world. Yeah. True, true. That's where we'll leave it. But what I would love, love is for people to reach out either Instagram or wherever. And if you have questions about this or discussion about it, I'd love to have a discussion about it. 
Yeah. Or like, what are your thoughts, questions, fears? I don't know. Yeah, we love to hear fears. Oh. We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some ways. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining a light on it and sharing it with you. I have one. I'm sorry this is all about me today, but I can't stop. I love it. Okay. So this one was a sponsored ad. It was so fascinating. To keep a long story short, from 270 to 159 pounds, 58 years old, 5'5", and due to my weight, tired and miserable, I hadn't been active at all and it was showing. And so then her journey began in an unexpected place, a nail salon trip. So essentially, she was getting her nails done or overheard a woman talking about her transformation. So she asked about it and she started talking about this this thing, this diet, I guess, or whatever it was. And she thought nothing could be that easy. And so she thought, well, after talking it over with her husband, I'm like, okay. So anyways, I decided it couldn't hurt to give it a try. And so now she's getting compliments from friends and family and she has more energy than ever. And she feels comfortable going to the beautiful beaches in Sarasota, Florida. And so then goes on and she really wants to thank this person to get started on that journey that day. And it's been, she's been feeling good for so long. Then there's all these pictures of pickles. There's like (laughs) pickles frozen in ice cubes, like pickle juice with like pickle slices. And then there's like, haven't we talked about the pickle diet? Would we? No, this is a different pickle diet. That was the prison pickle diet. (laughs) This is a different pickle diet. (laughs) <laughs> this one is worse than the prison pickle diet maybe i don't worse know <laughs> <laughs> so then there's like a picture of a pickle with what appears i thought it was a straw but now upon further reflection i think it's actually a candy cane stick sticking out of it and then there's a pickle with some whipped cream on it okay so this i was like what on God's green earth is happening here. So then I clicked into the comments because there were loads of them and there were lots of people that were like, I love pickles, more info. I'm going to try this and oh, all this other stuff. And so my daughter's always asking me to go hiking with her and I'm too tired. This is, t- it's time for me to really try this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, really, is that what it's going to take? So then I kept going. I linked into that. I, I did. You know me. We, pre- we, we appreciate your service. <laughs> So then it goes to this like, quote unquote, Time Magazine article, which means they paid for it in there. And it was life-changing. Harvard medical student discovers one secret mineral that helps you lose 52 pounds in 28 days. Big Pharma doesn't want you to know about this. And I'm like, bull crud. I have stronger words to say. And then it shows a picture of this gal in a larger body and a smaller body with she look, appears to be the same person and then it was this forever long article about her medical specialty being in nutrition and for her experiments and her senior th- thesis and she's stumbled upon a new fat blocking code that no one had heard of before at harvard like really okay 
So anyways, then she had her aunt try it out and her aunt lost 39 pounds in a month. And then she had her neighbor try it and they called the K3 spark mineral. And it's like this fat blocking code signal in your brain, blah, 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 goes on. And then finally I get to the end. And again, it says K3 spark mineral to put your body in ketosis to become fat burning. So then I get to the end and here the spark mineral is comes in the form of these BioLife keto gummies, which is essentially, it says keto plus ACV, so apple cider vinegar gummies, advanced weight loss formula. And it includes calcium, sodium, magnesium, and beta hydroxybutyrate, which is like the supplement that people use to stay in keto. So I'm like, this is totally like the same thing. And so then I click in to what is actually in this product. And it has some, it has like a minor amount of some B vitamins. It has a little bit of iodine. It has some apple cider vinegar complex, pomegranate juice flour, and beet root juice flour. So I don't see even where the beta hydroxy whatever is. I've only seen some vitamins and apple cider vinegar. And then the other ingredients on top of the pomegranate juice and the beetroot juice is glucose syrup, sugar, glucose, uh, can't read that word, sodium citrate, citric acid, natural apple flavor, and purple carrot concentrate and beta carotene. So it's a How does it- big fat lie. The yeah. whole thing makes no sense whatsoever. So they got you with pickles and then somehow I ended up... Yeah, how did you go from pickles to gummies? I totally got... I know. Uh, We went from pickles to apple cider vinegar gummies that have sugar in them, which is the... supposedly keep you in ketosis. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. This is just such a perfect example that y'all, the supplement world is the wild west. It is. It's why we only, we, there's certain brands that we like. That's why we use full script because the brands on there are all third party tested because you can literally scoop up dust, put them in capsules, market the crap out of them and say whatever you want about them. I know it's bonkers. And then in the midst of all of this, of my, of reading about this whole thing, I was given another ad within this ad with pictures of these bellies the skeletal muscles with like fat, fat bellies. So you can just see like the, like that you see those like pictures of humans with just the muscles. Without skin. Without the skin. Yeah. And then I see, and then it has like these pictures of like fat, like the yellow fat and it's all concentrated in their bellies and in the boobs, but their boob size doesn't change, just their bellies do. And so then there are different types. This is the intermittent fasting according to belly type. So there's a gluten belly, a stress belly, a mommy belly, an alcohol belly, and a hormonal belly. And I'm like, so anyway, so I was got, I got multi, I got an ad within an ad. I got double whammy. I did not click into that one and take the test. Just so you know, I just, I had to draw the lines. What is that movie? Inception? (laughs) It's like ad inception. Yeah. An ad within an ad within an ad. Well, yeah. thank you for your service. I appreciate you. Are you sure? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. We're just going to leave it there. 
I sure hope that we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. If you're looking to get some support with your relationship with food or your body, please visit our website at pathnutrition.com to get started. Bye. Bye.